iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. You're listening to The Times. Go to thetimes.co.uk. Every goal, every game, everywhere. The Times and the Sunday Times. Now with goals. Hello and welcome to the game from the Times, the place where you can get every goal from every game in the 2013-14 Premier League season. I am Gabriel Marcotti. I'm here to break down the first weekend of action in the Premier League. And to do this, I am joined by Matt Dickinson, Tony Cascarino, and from the Great Northeast, it's George Colkin. No Rory K. Smith on the show this week, so we're all in a better mood. But let's start at a place where they're not so delighted, the Emirates. Dicko, I'd, I'd want to say that this is a script we've sort of seen before, but uh, we, we, we kind of have seen it before. And, uh, you know, people saying spend some freaking money, since I'm sure that's what they were saying, and having a go at, at Wenger and generally being very, very unhappy. I want to ask you, would the fans have been as unhappy if Arsenal had won that game? Would they have been unhappy? Well, of course, they'd, I mean, they'd have been less, um, less enraged um, by... Uh, by Saturday, but equally they've been still asking the the nagging, repetitive, as you say. Um, we feel like we've been asking it for the last five years. Question of um, remember that 50, 60, 70, 80 million quid we talked about. Uh, I mean, Arsene Wenger. I know spoke. We're speaking to one um, sort of scout from a top scout from another club um, a week or so ago, and saying, well. Um, you know, I'm, I'm actually pretty pretty happy with my squad, and, and I'm trying to sign a couple of people. And if they don't happen, I'm you know I'm not going to panic, which um, uh, will only alarm Arsenal supporters even more. I think you know, the fact is, a they've got an issue with strengthening the team. B they've still got an issue with defensive organisation. Looking at particularly, obviously, the third goal, uh, and you know they've just got a whole probably bigger issue just with a sense of direction about the club, a sense of direction. Of the players, the fans, um, uh, about where this club is going, and it's not going forwards. Um, amazing, even without Stuart Robson on the words uh, on the show, the words Arsenal and defensive organization still seem to creep in there. Um, Cass, you were a striker who faced opposing defenses. If I were to put my Arsene Wenger hat on, I might point out to you that despite what evil people like Stuart Robson and occasionally Matt Dickinson say about our defensive organization. <laughs> We actually conceded very few goals last summer, and that was without one of those, you know, nasty kick-everything-that-moves defensive midfielders that people wanted us to buy not that long ago. Um, And that maybe in this game we were simply undone by a bad refereeing decision. Um, Well, I I wouldn't go 100% on that. I I mean, I do feel, Gab, if you watch the game and the problems that 
Gab- Gabriel Agbonlahor calls Arsenal. My namesake. Yeah, you know, um, the the way he just devastated. I mean, look, he had one of them games that he was he li- literally, like Paul Lambert said, unplayable. And he took them everywhere they didn't want to go. Um, with that, Lovis Loon last year, we all talked about Chesney. Arsene Wenger even dropped him last year. So there was problems in his goalkeeping area. And I think also with the comments of the end of the week, and they might have been exaggerated slightly that players he didn't feel the right ones could get to the club or the quality he felt, the calibre of player he needed and who is out there. I saw it, it, it sent shockwaves through the press really with, well, hold it a minute. Your job is to find players. And there are players out there. All great clubs have to go and buy better players or or players that come in and be can do a service for you and, and make you a better team. And I think that all added up with the way they played at the weekend. They were okay. There was there were some good things about Arsenal. And I thought Giroud, who, you know, Arsenal keeps saying on oh, they want a centre forward. I thought, you know, Giroud showed that especially at the end of last season, that he could easily get sort of 10, 15, maybe even 20 goals this year. Um, because he looked a far better player by the end of last year than he did uh, certainly at the start of last season. So I did feel there were there were some eye-opening things that happened in the game, and they've conceded three gab, you know, and 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 I don't think it was the biggest surprise that Villa went there and played the way they did with their front three with their pace, and Arsenal couldn't really deal with it, especially Agbonlo. I should point out that some of us, of course, were bigging up Villa and Paul Lambert uh, uh, last week on this very podcast, um, George. I- what struck me is sometimes you get uh, – I, I want to get from you how I should read this because Wenger came out with one of those quotes that, you know, sets you up for ridicule. Say. Yes, I know what you're going to say because I've written this down myself. Uh, but, uh, did you want to read the quote or, or the selected excerpts? Well, I presume it's the same one, but uh, and I won't – forgive me if I don't do the accent, but even if you go on the Eiffel Tower and you throw the money away, you play with the players you have – was that the quote that you were going to mention? Yeah, that, 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 that was the setup, and then the part about how um, you know they have uh, scouted every single footballer in the world, and uh, they're working twenty-four hours a day to bring in footballers. And you know, when he says, "What players? What players?" You know, basically implying there's nobody out there. I, I, but I just, it's, yeah, yeah, and, and at the end of that, you then bid for Luis Suarez. I don't sort of, I don't sort of quite understand that. I mean, particularly when that's the thing, George. That's the thing which gets me about this. And I'm, I'm sorry, I, 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 but the three guys that they have pursued this summer, right? He talks about the great scouting, blah blah blah, right? The three guys they pursued this summer, they played for Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, and that small club we like to call Liverpool. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, and and the, the the sort of huge strength of those early years of, of Arsene Wenger was, um, you know, certainly not bringing in people that that we'd never heard of because we had, but sort of, um, you know, looking looking down a little level and maybe maybe trying to find people who had something to prove or um, hadn't quite done it at the club they were at, and then moulding them into brilliant um, world class world class talent. Um, so yes, that that was a strange comment, and I did think the Eiffel Tower, the kind of Eiffel Tower thing, um, was was a bit alarming. Obviously, I wasn't there to hear it, and I don't know what the context was, but um, why why you would want to go on the Eiffel Tower and throw your money away, or then play players on the Eiffel Tower? You know, why why not just stay at home and 
sign some footballers. Now, but jump, jump you, off the Eiffel Tower. Maybe that's it. <laughs> now, but, but George, you, you've dealt with some situations like that. Um, when you see that, does that strike you as a manager who's losing his cool, or is it a manager who's trying to maybe deflect attention because he's really working on some kind of brilliant plan, the way Kinnear was when when he went on his rant? Yes, please, let's not get started on that quite so early off. Um, my own paranoia will kick in at that point. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I just I just thought it was very strange. I mean, I, I suppose if you're Arsene Wenger, every single press conference that you'll have done this summer, pre-season, and then now will be about spending money. Are you going to spend money? Yes, yes, I am. Yes, we are. Yes, we definitely are. Mm, hasn't quite happened yet. Why aren't you spending money? Well, we're trying to. And so I can understand why, you know, why he would sort of get get irritable about that particularly when sort of over the course of the summer he's trying to mould the players he's got and um and you know would would obviously like to concentrate on them. I mean, the problem, of course, is that they've they've got rid of seventeen players as well. And you know, although many of them wouldn't have been featuring in the first team or around that, there are you know there are that means that a team which needed strengthening is now is now weakened. And you know, we've seen that with injuries to Oxlade Chamberlain already, someone who was playing very well in that first game, and you know, the peril of not bringing in new players. Um, by the start of the season, kind of immediately becomes apparent. Dickel, help me, help me diagnose this. I, I, I need your take because there's going to be a certain reaction. It's going to be all right. Time to get rid of Wenger. Um, but as I kind of see it, I actually think, despite this morning of the defensive organization, I still think that Arsenal. The Wenger is relatively clear-headed on the pitch. Arsenal play good football. I. I, I think the problem is whoever their transfer guru is, and it's a person, um, as I understand it, who whose name is Dick Law. I'm not making the name. No, well, it's not. It's not. It's Arsene, it's Arsene Wenger. I mean, Arsene Wenger. So Arsene Wenger. Dick Law? Is that just a name I've made up? Because it sounds. Well, he's a guy. He's a guy who he's a guy who is in charge of contracts, and you know, for his you know, which again, if you're looking at um, positives for Arsenal fans, I mean, which club has you know m- mishandled its contract renegotiations um, the worst. Well, it's well, it's Arsenal. I mean, the Theo Walcott they ended up paying more for Theo Walcott than they would have done just by giving him a contract um, earlier. They ended up obviously losing Robin Van Persie, which you know looks with ever you know has looked for the last year as possibly the worst bit of business any club could ever fathom. Uh, so, I mean, and, and this, you know, we're back to the same same debates because you know Arsene Wenger runs that club down to the you know choice of tiles in the bathroom and the loo paper and you know, nothing happens without his say so and you know he, when you're scouting the problem is that he likes to cast the net far and wide and but is also famously dithering you know he likes to leave it to the 11th hour he likes to scout a play a million times and as you've quite rightly said it's not it's not even as if he's sort of conjured up a gem from the ivory coast it's he's come back to some very very mainstream targets uh, so, so you've got an issue with with the fact that you know, Wenger is, has got huge, probably more autonomy at that club now than any Premier League manager at, at any club. Hmm. Fenerbahce, Champions League, home and away, Fulham, and then Tottenham, uh, the next few games for Arsenal. And I don't know why I get this feeling that the club has to have a bit of an iron fist about it over transfers, over handling the contracts. Really, do you see? Would you see? Wayne Rooney being sold by Sir Alex Ferguson to, our, uh, to to Chelsea. Would he allow that transfer? Why? Because it hurt himself. He would make it even harder for him to win the Premiership, in his mind. So he doesn't want to sell to his rivals. Arsenal have got to become a far more of an iron fist club. Look at Daniel Levy at Tottenham. 
We all talk about the way you know he's done his business. He's done it with an iron fist that has made Tottenham a better football club. Mm. Yes, and compared well, to Arsenal, uh, compared to Arsenal, Tottenham have all those uh, uh, Champions League appearances uh, uh, to talk about. And they're one of those. I think, Gab, Gab, I know, we're going I know, forward. I know, going forward, I know, I know. The, the club is looking a far better, yeah. well-constructed con- club than you Arsenal. You buy shares? Moment. You'd buy shares in Spurs over Arsenal right now? Uh, well, yeah. yeah, I would. I would All buy right. Spurs in. Yeah, I would. Um, we the, have the, to... perverse, the perverse thing, of course, and is, is obviously the, the worse that Arsenal you know, start, the more likely they are to. Well, to spend money, whether that's out of panic um, or just sort of pragmatism. Indeed, two years ago, in the last 36 hours of the transfer window, Arsenal signed no fewer than five players. Paramount to soccer, Mikel Arteta, Andre Santos, um, Park Chu Young, sorry, and uh, Yossi Benayoun on loan. Did one and we can say, yeah, and again, we can say, well, what, what are we going to score him out of those five? Two yeah. hits. One and a half, I think. Okay, now we, we got a word on Villa. We bigged him up last week, so there's no reason to big him up again. For those who don't understand, the reason we, we refer to him as Paul Lambert this week is that's what we call him when he does well. But Christian Benteke, I just want, George, I want to get a, a word from you because um, uh, on this because, of course, um, Benteke shares the first four letters of his name with Darren Bent, and you and Darren Bent are very close to each other. Um, so this is a guy who wants to leave the club, um, but really wants a new contract, gets the big, fat new contract he wanted, and continues to produce, at least thus far. Um, does that say, 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 we don't always see that, right? Sometimes when you get your, your huge deal, players tend to take their foot off the gas a little bit, right? As Cass is nodding, he'd speak some experience. Yeah, you, you can see that. You can see that happen. I mean, I think that there must have been um, there must have been huge trepidation at Villa when uh, when that sort of transfer request went in because he was uh, he sort of underpinned everything last 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 season and um, you know what, what was a very a very difficult season and um, certainly I mean it's it's a fairly obvious thing to say but without his goals they would have been relegated and um, if he'd gone if he'd gone this summer it would have plunged them back into uh, into a into a very difficult position. I mean, he 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 looks like he's got he looks like he's got everything. Um, you know, huge power, good hunger. I mean, I, the very fact the very fact he was asking for a contract or, or kind of pushing to move whichever whichever way you want to look at it after one after one year in the division. Um, how how comfortable does that make you feel about about his long term future? I'm not so sure, but um, but you know, he looks he looks a he looks a really good player. But it's good that he signs a new contract, gets his money and still starts playing hard, a little bit like uh, like Luis Suarez did last year, actually. Uh, let's move on to Wales, in fact. Uh, Swansea and Manchester United. At some point, David Moyes had to, to go and actually manage a real game for Manchester United, and it happened, and he got a resounding victory. Uh, I can only imagine, and I'm sure he would say that he's always confident all along, but you know, it's one less thing to worry about to be able to go uh, to Swansea and win so convincingly after after a really testy, sort of, I thought, first 15, 20 minutes. I mean, I thought, yeah, you're right. I mean, they were under under a bit of pressure. I thought, you know, we were looking at that midfield again, talking about returning to familiar problems. Um, and uh, I thought, you know, the game looked like it was, uh, Geeks were struggling to get in. Valencia looks, I, I just doesn't look like he's got his mojo back um, at all. And uh, and you know you thought mm, this is this is going to be uh, sticky, but then Van Persie scores uh, that great goal. They get two in three minutes, and and you know, the, the the picture is transformed, and and. 
and they run out uh, comfortable winners and you can't yeah you can't uh, overstate just how sort of soothing that, that performance that result will be because again if you're talking about the last two weeks of the transfer window Arsenal might be sort of panicked into into various moves and now boys if you know particularly if he gets another good result against a big game against Chelsea next week can can just make those decisions from a very much stronger place um, you know which which given the pressure on him at the moment um, you know it's, it's will be will be hugely reassuring um, Casper hugely reassuring um, well back last season scored one goal all season long we all heard it all made the joke look he doubled his goals tally blah 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 um, but I thought, especially his uh, the, the finish with a little chip over Michel Vorm, I thought that, like, this is pretty good. I didn't, I'm not saying I didn't know he could do that, but he showed a lot of personality and, and, and he showed, you know, the ability to kind of stick to it. Um, should, should Moyes maybe stick to him and make him a feature every week? Well, I, I did a piece in the paper on Saturday, Gab. That's why I'm asking you. Danny Welbeck and... It was incredible that this kid can't get 10 goals. Okay, I think he only made 17 appearances last year and he was in and out of the team. But I look at him and I think he's got so much to offer. You know, he's good in the air. He's got a good turn of pace. He's got an absolute desire, motivation to want to be better. He's far too unselfish. He's got to become more selfish inside the box and take opportunities that he's given. If he does, Danny Welbeck will have no problem at all getting 10, 15, and maybe a push, maybe get to closer to 20, because he's got the ability to do it. And I don't see him as a poor finisher. When I've seen him in front of goal, he's not bad. Is that where he should play? Well, I think he plays around. I mean, look, Van Persie was the one reason United he is the guy that turned the game you know when you've got someone in as good as him who can do what he did the, the two goals he got just typified you know it didn't half make it easy for you as a team when you've got someone who can produce moments of magic like he can and then you've got someone like Welbeck and I, 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 I think he's got so much to offer I think if you work at him he, we could be looking back at Danny Welbeck in three or four years time and seeing a regular 15-20 goal a year man playing for United because I do think he's got all the qualities but he must get his stats higher get more goals if he doesn't we're always going to think on a little bit of a negative size to Danny because he does so many good things George you you saw young Welbeck uh, up close when he was in your neck of the woods Um, has he developed the way you expected yeah I mean very much I'm sort of you know Lapse into cliche, he sort of arrived, arrived a boy and left a man, and you could see, you could, I mean, Sunderland's well, pretty good force, and Sunderland had at that at that time, but um, you could see that he sort of had everything, and you know they were desperate, they were desperate to keep him even at that stage, and it was never going to happen simply because simply because um, you know they they viewed him back at Old Trafford as sort of having all the qualities, and I think the problem for him since then has been uh, has been getting regular football, but. Um, you know, when you see him play like he did at the weekend, you, I mean, it is just it is just that sort of last touch, that sort of hunger, ferocity in the area to get the ball and score that has been has been lacking. But uh, my goodness, I think he's a, you know I, I think he's he's potentially a wonderful footballer. Yeah, and we've talked ourselves to death about Rooney, but I, I, I think we, we you do need to mention the reaction he got uh, when he came on, um, and admittedly. You know, this was an away game, but often you do get the more vociferous supporters at, uh, at away games. And this is when people are going to make jokes about, you know, United fans coming from South Wales or whatever else. But the point here was he was supported 
by the crowd, uh, and he played well, cast, didn't he? Hmm. Um, are we maybe thinking now that in the end, if nothing happens, he'll still be there, he'll still contribute, it's not going to be a big disruption, and they'll extend his contract anyway, the way somebody, i.e. me, has been suggesting all along? Well... He's had a long, long time to think, hasn't he, in the last couple of months. And I've, I think if he really sits down and he, he's fought long and hard about leaving Manchester United, you know, it's a great football club. It's a team that's going to win things. OK, he's not in the team as much as he may be liked or think he might even be not be used as much as he would like. But he's got to prove by playing as well to not be left out of the but team. As a player with a reaction of He'd fans. be delighted with that. But that's only short-lived game. Yeah. You know, he's got to prove. I mean, he's asked for two transfers that's an incredible thing to do at United and still be there and still have the support of your fans that's pretty amazing but they love him because they know he's a good footballer and they want him to stay they do want Rooney to stay that's obvious but he's got to now prove that you know that he's, his heart is in the same place as theirs so much of this sort of um, you know, wanting to get away has been sort of stage managed and strings being pulled by agents and PRs and, and I'm not saying that means Rooney doesn't want to leave but you sort of felt, I mean, the one bit at the end, he was walking off and one of the coaches was sort of beckoning at him to, you know, to stay around and sort of join in the high fives and sort of really made a little point of sort of shuffling off down the tunnel. But I do, you almost felt his heart wasn't in it. I mean, you sort of felt like, you know, he's having to, he's, say, he's having to sort of tell himself, you know, I've, I've got to look glum, I've got to look miserable, I've got to look like I'm sort of being held, held against, hostage against my will here. But the fact is... When he played, he played, he got involved, and everything about his play underlined the fact that Man United would be mad to sell him unless Chelsea turn up with Mata, David Luiz, and 20 million and offer them such a ridiculous deal that they can't resist it. Uh, as we uh, as we taped this this morning, uh, Tony Barrett, I think, is uh, reporting that uh, Everton, his uh, his favourite club, uh, have had have turned down a combined bid of twenty eight million pounds for Marwan Fellaini and Leighton Baines. Um, Cass, can you help me figure this out from United's perspective? Because also summer long, they sort of chase Sask and Thiago, and then they go for Fellaini, who's a completely different sort of player and okay so Evra is pushing on but now you wait till now what, you, you don't like Evra anymore if you've seen him you've seen his preseason you've seen what he's doing you're going to bid for Baines mm. and also 28 million pounds doesn't seem like a lot of money I mean mm. it's marginally more than I think than what Everton played for Fellaini in the, per- in, in the first place and he's not really gotten worse no it's a it's a, it's a real strange one right? I mean look David Moyes was at the club he knows their contract situations he knows probably the price tag that. and one thing he always prided himself on David Moyes was getting the right prices for players when he left them like people like Lescott he got top dollar and now it, it seems a much lower figure than you know we, we know they're worth I mean what's Baines 20, 29 now you know he's, he, but he's still a very good the train is now approaching junction 11 Please stand clear of iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. He's tried to obviously leave it as late as he can because... Deals get cheaper. If you're Evra, what I, are you thinking? Well, you'd be disappointed knowing that he's... But he must... You know, you're, when you're at Old Trafford, you've always got your... Sort of, yeah, you're you've always got to look over your shoulder, Gab. Every player has to look over. When you play for big clubs, just go and look at the, uh, the, the photos on the, on the walls in the changing rooms and around the corridors. You can see teams changing every two years and half the players are gone. It's so one you, thing you when always Sir Alex know. brings in decides that you, Patrice Evra, are too old. Uh, let's, get, you know, let's get somebody to replace you and not like this, this Butner or whatever who, you know, mm. clearly the, he, he was one for the longer term thing. It's another thing when David Moyes... I'm just being cheeky yeah. from Everett's perspective. When Mr. Nobody from Nowhere comes in, who's never won anything apart from the uh, uh, the well, I guess he won the Charity Shield. Community Shield this year. And I think he also won um, the third tier with Preston. Comes in and says to Patrice Evra, "Hmm, I like my friend Leighton Baines and his mod haircut more than you." <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, that happens. Well, you know, everyone's got opinions, Gab. But I mean, you know, David Moyes obviously thinks that area needs needs strengthening. Right. I mean, I look, we both know they're good players. I, I'm, I'm so I feel strange. Why so late? But, but, but what I'm saying is, and, and Dicko, maybe you can jump in here. If you're Evra, it's one thing. You, there's no real plan B, right? So if you don't get Baines. You're left with a situation where Ever knows that you would rather have Baines than him at left back. Well, you are a senior yeah. player at the but, club. Yeah, which you know that might seem tough, but then equally, but you know, probably no player, no player at the big club was sort of flogged and run to the ground quite like Ever in the last couple of years. I mean, I think he's looked absolutely shattered. Um, uh, you know, going into to the spring of, 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 of certainly last season and maybe even the season before that, if memory serves me right. I think, you know, he's, he's, he's had, a, he's had a, a fantastic run of things, but uh, yeah, I think they, they need to look at um, a future now. And he was being linked with, I think he may have sort of glanced at, at moves abroad himself, to be honest. Um, I think Monaco were uh, sniffing around. So no, I, you know, you can't, you can't say, oh, well, David Moyes shouldn't be looking at a long-term future in that position. I, don't, I think that would be... Yeah, Baines is not a long-term future. Baines is old himself. Baines is what, 29, 30? So he's 28 and Ever is 32. So I mean, there is there is a there's a fair differential. There's a fair differential there. And thank you, thank you, George. Thank you, George. And I think I think and I think the way that the the way that Baines is playing at the moment, played last season, is I mean, I can understand certainly understand why why Moyes would want to take him to Old Trafford. Okay, well, thank you for contradicting me, George. I really appreciate it. Those fact things are quite useful sometimes. Okay, uh, thank you. So he turns 29 <laughs> in a couple of months. All right, thank you. All right, well done. Four, four months, that's the third of the year. December 11th. <laughs> Alright, just checking. So in our debate this week, I want to start with you, Dicko. 
I need, you need to help me understand this, right? Why do teams have preseason training? I, I, I've sort of tried to been thinking about this, narrowed it down to three reasons. One is to go around the world and play in lucrative friendlies in uh, Asia and uh, North America. Okay, fine, we accept that. Two, traditionally, I guess, was to build up fitness to because everybody got sort of lazy and sloppy in the off season. Although I'm not sure that really happens so much anymore that it's it's really that fitness based because players do tend to take better care of themselves these days than they used to. But the third reason I would have thought is to train, to actually practice at what you do, to build chemistry on the pitch, to build, to bond off the pitch, to take certain tactical concepts on board, to get used to playing with each other. And with all this in mind, if, if this is something that, that's important that we value, aren't clubs like Manchester City, who did all their buying early, going to have an advantage over clubs like Arsenal and United, who've been basically sitting on their behinds and really haven't signed uh, anybody. It's potentially, you know, it's potentially a small advantage. I think um, if you, you know, if you get your players in early, you can particularly if you're rebuilding the shape of a team or rebuilding, you know, got a new manager changing the the whole sort of philosophy, tactical strategies of the team. Then it can obviously be a, you know, a, a not insignificant advantage. But uh, I mean, ultimately, you hope if you're signing a player, he's there for obviously a few years at least. And so, I mean, clearly the most important thing is to get the right players. There can sometimes be good reasons why a transfer drags on sometimes a club might think well if I leave it to the last minute I'm going to actually force them to sell at a different price so there can, there can be specific reasons why it makes sense I think we'd all you know I think we would all wish that the transfer window coincided more with the start of the season I, I don't know if there's any move along the European leagues you know obviously they can start at different weekends but it would be it would seem like it would make more sense if, if, if the transfer window was moved earlier um, the closure was moved earlier so that we could just sort of forget all this um, uh, tittle-tattle and get on with the games. I think what you say, Gab, is absolutely right. Uh, but it's, it's only right in theory. I think if you asked if I think if you asked any manager, they want to get their business done. Um, you know, as uh, when it's still May, when the season before is still fresh in people's mind, and they've got you know the whole summer then to kind of prepare with a new team. But you sort of, it's not it's not as important as as momentum. I can remember a couple of years ago when Steve Bruce, I think they sat Sunderland signed ten or eleven new players at Sunderland. Newcastle um, had. A terrible summer really horrible pre-season uh, trip to America and um, he was being asked Alan Pardew was being asked questions about his Newcastle club in crisis they went to Sunderland in the second game of the season won and ended up finishing fifth that season and Steve Bruce uh, was immediately under pressure and, and got sacked pretty quickly so it doesn't it doesn't necessarily it's not a panacea certainly you would think it gives teams a small advantage um, but it's 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 not the most important thing for when for when the games actually kick off Cass um, well, there's, there's obviously lots of benefits for a player from a player's perspective, you know, getting to a club earlier, scheduling, get out of the hotel, get your kids in schooling, you know, then being coached. And, and, you know, you go to a football club and and every club I've been, the, the sessions have been different. Every coach trains you differently. So, you, you know, you've got to get a feel. So there are some benefits. Um, 
if you buy good players and you get them early, you're probably going to have to pay 20% more than at the start of July than you're going to pay at the end of August because fees are dearer and clubs are aware of that. So well, uh, but That can work both ways. I mean, at the end of August, you can get a bargain, but you can also end up paying a lot more because if you're trying to buy somebody from uh, you know, a medium to, to, to larger club, uh, they're, they're not going to have time to go and buy a replacement, right? So you end up basically paying. It's, it's a whole how much did Liverpool end up paying for Andy Carroll? Yeah, I mean, but there are examples as well, you know. It can work both ways. Yeah, it can, can, but I just think it's nice to fit in and be at a club earlier. Every time I've gone to a club and it's been a summer, it's been done quite early, I feel more settled by the time the season starts. Now, if you times that by five players or ten players that you're bringing in, um, nine times out of ten, we can all find examples of of it contradicting, can't we? No, of course. No, no, like George said, you know, like Sunderland did all their business. That we can always find. I think to a man... I think all managers, I, as George said, would like to get it done early. Because, Cass, you were a player. This is the part I don't understand, right? If Matthew Syed were here, he would start talking about 10,000 hours of focused training and whatever. Now, football clubs hardly train during the actual year, especially the ones who are in Europe, because you, know, you might get one and a half full training sessions uh, a week during the season. So you can't really work on anything new. You can't really work on anything tactical um, during the season. Uh, I know, and I know, again, we're in England, nobody likes to talk about tactics, and it's not really a priority for, you know, it hasn't been traditionally, although I think that's changing. But I would have thought preseason is a time that you can do that. Now, you, you've played in France and stuff like that. It's, I mean, can you talk a little bit about the value of doing that? Well, first, first and foremost, that I found when I got to Marseille that they certainly the, the tactics and the style of play that was, was already adopted they bought players to. it's a bit like Sam Allardyce has done with going by Andy Carroll then I want to get a wide man in Stuart Downing that feeds him the reasons that Liverpool bought them to be effective <laughs> so you buy players to fit each other or you, th- you feel are going to complement each other so you try and sh- construct a team that everyone seems to play their role and there's going to be a togetherness that everyone's going to look like it, it makes them look better you know when I joined Millwall they wanted me to play alongside Teddy Sheringham so when I joined the football club John Dockett he said to me you're going to play alongside Teddy I think you'll work well together nearly everybody on the outside world was crazy why would you you know neither of us are blessed with incredible pace both of us like the, to, to attack things from the, the crosses and I found it really easy probably because he was a bloody gifted player but you know John Doherty saw a partnership he saw something that he thought would work together and that's you know sometimes I just feel that you know getting players in and making them work is a very difficult art and, and every club have different approaches um, from a player's perspective I just think you've got to get in early and get it working as quick and you'll probably find out quite soon if it's not going to work as well Gab because sometimes it looks perfect and looks cosy and it turns out the other way Dicko what, what gets me is I mean as an example of, of what um, of what Cass just said right is if, if, if I'm united, right, so earlier this year they pursued Thiago and they pursued Sask, who are, you know, generally smaller, gifted, creative passers. Um, they have Cleverly, who's a little bit like that. Mm-hmm. And now if they're bidding for Fellaini, they're looking to sign a player who's completely different from those guys. But there is no doubt that Arsenal's, Arsenal's transfer policy could be dictated by the mood in the next two weeks. Yeah. United's, United's final price, look, they're clearly bidding for Fellaini. Whether they bid 20, you know, if you were bidding for Fellaini alone, whether you bid 23, 25 or 27 million, 
because you know, I mean, that's a that's a fine line decision which is not based on vast. You know, you can't. There's no calculator that can give you the right or wrong answer to that. Matt, so, so you you make a final decision on that based on on a sense of urgency, a sense of desperation. Matt, one thing we're all forgetting here, and and and. This is so typical, and Gab talked about tactics. Now, maybe David Moyes has said, I want different options in my team. I don't want to have to play the same week. I have different oppositions and different styles to play against. I'm going to use a different type of player in certain games that have an effect, like he used Fellaini against Man United at the start of last season as a centre-forward to play against Michael Carrick. You know, yep. so there's, you, he's got the option then of but going going to different styles. When is he going to teach these different styles? I mean, this, this is what... It's quite basic, me. No, 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 it's, it's not, not rocket science. No, it, it, this is the thing. This is the problem with you people. It's not rocket science. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. It's easy. Everyone can do it. No, it's yeah, not. Throw it, Harry in there. Anybody can do it. And then you sit back and you wonder, gee, why is it that, like, you know, the people who are actually doing something new and interesting and different and stuff that we sit there and we admire, they all tend to be elsewhere because you say it's not important and then you don't train and then you don't you don't work on the tactical side of the game and we, we, with a few with a few exceptions and I know there are exceptions no, Gab, in Gab, this country and elsewhere Gab there's but many a time during the week now I know you've got Champions League there's many a time during right. the week if you've got a game in the Champions League on a Tuesday even if you did you can still work Thursday on Wednesday you know after a game you don't have to train hard but you can bring in a player that like say Fellaini was United he didn't play in the Champions League game and you're going to go with a different Managers are deciding their teams before the Champions League game for the Premiership game or game after. They've decided. Fergie did that all the time. He would leave. Gap, and also, Gab, Gab, you're saying you people. Who, who, what do you mean? Our, our managers are because most of them are foreign. No, I'm talking about. Right, but I'd argue that the ones who actually who actually get their teams to, to play with a certain very distinct identity, and I'll, I'll include Tony Pulis in that as, as well, as well as Wenger. I think it's because they've or, or Moyes at Everton. It's because they've generally had a stable group of players, and necessarily they've had a long time. I mean, Everton rarely played more than than 42, 44, 45 games in a season. He's had more time to work with them. He was able to develop a team with an identity. Right? This is what gets me. The same thing with Arsenal. It's like I bought Olivier Giroud. I've, I'm training the whole summer to try to play with Olivier Giroud. But hey, if Luis Suarez comes up, who's going to make different runs, who's going to be a different type of player, who's going to want different service, I'm just going to expect my players to just change everything all of a sudden. I don't think that that's good team building. I mean, sometimes I agree, needs must. But by the same token, I, I think there's a reason why the last couple years – and. Uh, Mourinho said this, uh, and he said it to you, I believe, Dicko, because I read your piece on Saturday. There's a reason why nobody's played particularly well among the top teams in England the last couple of years and why the top teams in England perhaps were a lot better in Mourinho's day. Let's move on to everybody's favorite part of the show, Quick Hits. Chelsea celebrate the return of Jose Mourinho with a 2-0 win over Hull. It looked like a terrifying beatdown in the first 20-25 minutes. Uh, Dicko, did we learn anything, or was it more the case of a shockingly overmatched opponent? Uh, I think we learned that you know, Jose brings that, um, can still bring that intensity. I mean, there's clearly a sort of first-day emotion to it. Um, you know, he clearly just has that ability um, to, to whip up a certain fervour in certain matches, which I'm sure we'll see you know, later through the season. And there was a degree of stage fright from Hull. Um, but I, I think it's going to be fascinating watching Chelsea and seeing if Mourinho can make all these little flighty players turn into a, a captivating team. Um, I, I'm hoping Hull play better than they did because I, I thought 
it was absolute dreck. It was like Derby or something from, from a few years back. Between them, Philippe Coutinho, Iago Aspas, and Daniel Sturridge seem to add up to more than Luis Suarez as Liverpool defeated Stoke 1-0. But uh, to be fair, probably could have been a lot more. But for Asmir Begovic, Cass, are you optimistic that uh, Liverpool will be just fine even if uh, Suarez leaves? Um, well, between sort of sixth and eighth, maybe. And oh, come I, on. I don't see... I certainly don't see top four. Um, Coutinho, I really like. I think he's a, proving to be a real talent. Uh, and Daniel Sturridge, since he stepped into the boots of supposedly um, not good enough at Chelsea and gone to Anfield, he's really shined. I mean, and, I, and yeah, Aspas is basically Suarez without debating. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, look, it's a long, long season. I'm, I'm always sceptical about Liverpool and still feel they're, they're still nowhere near the top four for me. Now, Ian Holloway, one of the best people in the world, is very angry that referee Mark Clattenburg awarded a penalty for an Aaron Lennon cross that hit Dean Moxie's outstretched arm and did not award one after Stephen Dobby was body checked. Uh, George, I guess that's what the rules say, but do you have sympathy for Ollie, especially when he goes further and he talks about little clubs not getting decisions against supposedly big ones like Spurs? No, I view that in exactly the same way as I, as I kind of viewed David Moyes' comments uh, about the Manchester United fixture list being a gigantic right-wing conspiracy orchestrated by the CIA. Um, I mean, that kind of made me smile because it was pure, pure Fergie, pure, pure paranoia. And this is just Holloway setting out the stall, setting out the narrative for the season that um, that if Crystal Palace are going are gonna to survive, it's going to be us against the rest of the world. Now, uh, Skinner is pointing out to me that uh, Tottenham had zero penalties uh, uh, awarded to them last season, but perhaps that's just because they didn't have very many fleet-footed players who like to run at opponents. Speaking of Tottenham, Gary Jacobs reporting that they're on the verge of signing Willian uh, for $27 million. Of course, that would be Angie's Willian, formerly of Shakhtar Donetsk. Now, reports that Liverpool are, all, are in the bidding for him as well. But what interests me is... If Spurs are moving for um, William, is that a hint that they're ready to spend some of that Gareth Bale money and therefore Bale will be going, Dicko? Well, they've already spent um, 50 million quid of it um, this summer. I, I, I even did some research on this my, this morning. Phone um, it, Tottenham insiders, um, sources, etc., say that it's. Pro- I mean, basically, Bale is, remains probable. Um, dealing with Real Madrid is always a nightmare. They, um, you could argue dealing with Daniel Levy is always a nightmare. But um, it looks like it will happen. It looks like Spurs are already uh, spending uh, an awful lot of that Gareth Bale money and. Uh, in Interest in William just strengthens the conviction that uh, Bale will be um, dancing around the burnabout. When David Moyes was around, Ross Barkley didn't get much of a look in. Now, with Roberto Martinez, he looks a bit special. Cass, was it a question of the kid needing to mature or just a case of maybe Martinez seeing something Moyes did not? Well, he certainly looks a player that, on judging on Saturday, and it is only Saturday's performance. That He's a everything. monster. Absolute physical. Forget the lady. Sign well, this guy. That's what I'm thinking, Gab. They, they broke the bank to get Wayne Rooney, Man United. And when you see that, now it's only, David Moyes must know how good he can be because what he showed in the, the, the game on Saturday and it is obviously he came into the team last year and he spent the time a bit out alone on Sheffield Wednesday but he's got the absolute pace and power and just <laughs> smashed everybody and, and he's passing David Moyes must know how good he was if he really I, I actually if someone said to me Baines and Fellaini 
I'd rather go Seamus Coleman and Barkley. I was saying the same thing about. I, I check. I know about Coleman defensively, but you know, no, but still, he's on another level. I tell you. Well, there we go. Cass and I uh, agree on this exactly. Who, who needs Fellaini and Baines when you got Barkley and Coleman? Uh, Paolo Di Canio made a lot of changes over the summer, but Sunderland fell at home to Fulham in the opener, one nil. Uh, Di Canio, who is extremely wise and usually right, says it doesn't matter because uh, they played well and the results will come. George, do you share his optimism? Well, I certainly share his excitement. I mean, it's about time something different happened at Sunderland. Six years in the Premier League, it's all been a bit samey. It's all been a bit mediocre. Moments of promise that have then faded away. And at least there's now something very, very different, a new identity at Sunderland. So um, they played played pretty well in the first half. It tailed off quite badly. I suppose you have to expect that when you've uh, brought in 10, 10 new players and started five of them. The, the one note of caution I would say is that um, looking at the fixture list, that was one that they they really could have done with um, starting off well in because their next uh, home sequence is Arsenal, Liverpool, Man U, Newcastle, Man City, Chelsea, Spurs. I got one for you, Gap. La Liga is up and running. Do you see anything that makes you feel different about the outcome of a two-horse race in La Liga? Um... No, not, not really. I mean, judging. I mean, Barcelona were ridiculous. They were six nil uh, down, six nil up uh, by halftime. Um, Real Madrid, much more. I think of, of a work in uh, of a work in progress. Carlo Ancelotti making a very brave choice, I thought, in dropping uh, Iker Casillas, much like your pal Mourinho did uh, last year. Cass, um, it's, uh, it's 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 weird. I. It looked to me like Real Madrid were ahead, given all the bad stuff that happened to Barca over the summer. But uh, Tata Martino couldn't have asked for a better start. And I'll tell you what, Cesc Fabregas, um, <laughs> he set up four of the goals. It felt as if the whole team was built around him. Um, I, from what I saw, I didn't see a player who's even contemplating or ever contemplated leaving. That's all we've got time for this week. We'll be back the same time, same place next week, unless you choose to listen to this at a different time, at a different location. The wonders of technology. And no, I do not write my own stuff. You can uh, uh, thank Chris Skinner for that witticism. Thanks to my panel. It's Tony Cascarino. It's George Calkin. And, of course, it's Matt Dickinson. You can go to thetimes.co.uk for news, analysis, reaction, and goals. Every goal, every game, everywhere in the Premier League. You can also write to us, as so many of you do, every single week. Game podcast at thetimes.co.uk. Uh, we're all on Twitter, and we all love to hear from you all the time, especially Cass. Uh, so please reach out and touch us, but not in that way. Till next time. Bye-bye. Your subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times now comes with access to every Barclays Premier League goal. Refresh your app, choose your team, accept notification, and you're away. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone.